Welcome everyone to the Groove Podcast, episode number nine. My name is Paul McWhorter, and I'm documenting my journey toward my master's degree in theological studies and talking about how Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, gives us new life when we believe in him. Man, it has it has been a crazy few weeks, and I haven't had a chance at all to create a new podcast until today. There was Thanksgiving, which was a few weeks ago, finishing my last apologetics class, doing a book critique and a research paper for my church history class, plus work and family and directing a children's production, which performs tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. And after this week, I am totally looking forward to a break, but I wanted to do, I want to do one more podcast before Christmas, and then we'll start again in the new year with a new set of classes. I think I registered for them, but I don't remember what they are. Anyway, I'm glad to have the time to sit down today and talk about church history and a devotional that I read a week or so ago that really tied into my class. And I've been doing a Bible study on discipleship. Now, we are called to be disciples of Christ Jesus, but we are also tasked with making disciples. And we don't save people. We show them God's love and truth and the spirit works in or has been working in their life. And maybe we get the honor of leading that person to a decision in Jesus, or maybe we plant the seed of Jesus in their life. Either way, it's, it's not just about helping those people make a decision. It's then taking them on a spiritual walk with you. And one of my favorite activities as a kid was going on walks with my dad. And we would talk about everything and laugh at stuff and find some random pebble on the ground and and take turns kicking it down the road until eventually it went off the path. And I do the same thing with my kids today, just walking and talking and kicking rocks. (laughs) And discipleship is taking the people around you on a spiritual walk together, experiencing life, talking about life, the Bible, what God is teaching us through his spirit building each other up, encouraging one another. And then God convicted me on this idea of discipleship. My kids need to be my disciples. I never thought about that before. I never thought of my kids, of doing discipleship with my kids, which seems strange because we talk about God all the time. We have casual conversations about life and God and sometimes when I'm, I'm, when I'm sitting down and doing my devotional in the morning, then I'll read with them if they happen to be up and we'll pray together and we, we pray together at night at dinner time. But being more intentional and actually like doing discipleship with my kids. So this, this idea of dis- discipling with my kids first and always really, I mean, I still talk to my dad a lot and it is discipleship. We talk about spiritual things. We still talk today about about spiritual things in life and, and the things that are happening around us. But then looking for others around us to lead in discipleship. So this devotional talked about the Apostle Paul, a man who was at first a religious zealot who persecuted Christians and the early church, but then had a conversion experience with Jesus and became arguably the most important Christian church leader and missionary ever. And he wrote a letter to the Galatians. He wrote a lot of letters to a lot of different churches, but he wrote a letter to the Galatians to handle some debates that were occurring within their church. And the question was, is is Jesus really enough? 
Or is there more to the equation? Is there more I need to do? And honestly, this is a question that people struggle with today and have been for, for the entire time. Now, the Galatians were struggling big time. And when you read Paul's letters, most of them start off with some blessing, prayer, or thanksgiving that Paul has toward the people of that church, but not in Galatians. He immediately launches into them saying, hey, people, people, what the heck is wrong with you? It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. And I, I honestly, I laugh every time I read the first chapter in Galatians because Paul does not pull punches ever. But he just immediately launches into these folks. But going after through a whole bunch of doctrine, Paul says in Galatians 5, towards the end of the book, in, in chapter 5, uh, verses 13 and 14, he says, You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that great news? You have been called to freedom, not slavery, like many people think. Being in a relationship with God is not bondage or being tied down with rules and regulations. It's about freedom. And that's what Paul is conveying to the Galatians. First, you are free in Christ. But... We shouldn't use that freedom to indulge in selfishness, but to serve those around us in love. Now, how guilty are we as followers, as the church, of not doing this? In my class on church history, on, on one side, you see this selfish pursuit as the church becomes institutionalized. It gets involved in government and politics, and their focus turns from the cross and onto themselves. But at the same time, you also see movements of people loving people and doing what God called them to do, standing against the institution that the church was becoming and saying, hey, this is not what God called us for. The Reformation was this larger-scaled movement to bring focus back to the Word of God, but these reforming ideas had been occurring for a long time. The Galatians had Jewish believers insisting that in addition to Jesus, you had to observe the traditions and the laws and the regulations of the Old Testament. And that's no fault to them at all. I mean, your entire life, your entire Jewish culture has revolved around circumcision and the law and the Sabbath. And to now be told, hey, you don't have to observe those traditions any longer because you have freedom in Christ Jesus. That's a tough act. And additionally, it's kind of our natural tendency to want to regulate and set boundaries because without those things, it becomes, you know, just chaos. But here, Paul echoes the words of Jesus and says, hey, let's keep it simple. Love one another. Love others more than yourself. The whole of the law is summed up in two commandments, love God and love others. That's it. But this pattern continues from the early church with the Jews and the Gentiles to the institution that the church became as a part of the Roman Empire and beyond in the later centuries. 
from within, the church started adding extra rules and regulations about what it meant to be saved and to serve God and to serve the church. And just as Paul spoke out about what was happening with the Galatians, you had these reformers like Luther and Calvin and Knox and others who pushed back against the institution of the church. And then Paul continues by saying in Galatians uh, 5, verses 16 and 17, actually going back, I say be guided by the Spirit and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. So it's, he's saying let go of your selfish desires and put your trust in the grace of Jesus. Let yourselves be transformed and used by the Spirit to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. But how do you know that the voice in your head is the Spirit or not? If the voice inside you contradicts that of the Word of God, then it's definitely not the Spirit of truth. Reading God's Word is crucial to growth and maturity. Knowing what God's word says gives us the tools to discern and follow his spirit. When we neglect God's word, we stray from the cross. That's why it's so important for us to spend time in the Bible daily so that we know what the voice of God sounds like and what he is trying to say to us. Paul ends the chapter by saying, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. Now, did you catch that? Everyone focuses on the first eight fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. These are all excellent qualities that we all need in our lives, qualities that will surely help us to love God and love others. But the last one is what ties it all together, self-control. If you're like me, this is what I struggle with more than any of those other things control of oneself. That is a fruit of the Spirit. Let us nail our selfish desires to the cross and live by the Spirit. Let us follow His leading in every part of our lives. I need, and you probably need, more self-control in life to stay focused on Jesus and the path that He has given us. We are in constant need of reform daily reform in our lives to remind us that our purpose is to love God, to love others, to make disciples, and be renewed daily by the power of the Spirit living within us. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope this has encouraged you and challenged you, and I hope you'll continue to ask questions and seek answers because the truth of God will set you free. See you next time. 